Welcome to EFM.Live Podcast. You're listening to the CyberJaya Startup Summit Podcast Series, the second edition, Build Stuff That Matters. The inaugural CyberJaya Startup Summit is a two-day event consisting of talks, workshop, and interactive panel sessions where you can learn new insights, recruit talents, raise funding, network with fellow entrepreneurs and industry experts, and much more. In this episode, we have panel session discussing big data analytics and artificial intelligence moderated by Inbarat Supia, Director of CyberJaya Startup Summit, with Ikwan Zarif, Product Manager of Katsana, Lee Kuan Yew, Head of Product of Faith as panelists of this session. All right, so uh, just to introduce ourselves, I think we can start with uh, what you guys have been doing uh, in the last one year in this space. Uh, in relation to our topic today, right? So any initiatives or projects or whatever interesting, cool stuff you guys have been doing that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty new in faith actually. Uh, I'm only seven months old uh, in faith. Yeah, so um, prior to this, I was in uh, Paynet and prior to that, I was in banking industry. So today I'll speak specifically uh, on what I'm doing uh, in faith, right? So I think for the past seven months, uh, we have been launching a couple of new products, right? So um, from merchant end, what we have been doing is that typically BDs will be going on ground to onboard merchants, right? And that is taking a lot of time, one merchant to the other, right? So what happens is that we have been, uh, we have actually launched a self-onboarding product for merchants to onboard themselves, right? So within three minutes, they can already sign up for a faith account, right? And run their business with us. So uh, I think it has been a pretty good uh, take up uh, so far, right? So BDs uh, can actually use this same tool or they can continue to use a paper contract which takes a lot longer, right? So that's one item. Second part is that uh, we have also launched a table ordering feature. Not sure if you, are, you guys are familiar because today if you walk into any F&B restaurant, you have to wave your hand, get one of the waiter or waitress, come to you, right? Uh, place your order and then uh, pass back the, your, your, your form or the cheat sheet that, that, that you, you have filled up, right? And then uh, they, they, they will place your order, come back to you, deliver your food. When you're done, uh, make your payment. So what we have done uh, at Faith is that we have introduced a QR code that you can place on your F&B, F&B uh, table, right? So for consumers, you can just scan this QR code, view the menu, place your order, complete your payment, just wait right there, right? The waiter or waitress will be able to receive uh, the orders, approve it, right? And then they can deliver the food right to you. Don't need to collect payments thereafter, right? So these are amongst the few products that we have launched uh, recently. Okay, on your side. Um, hi, <clears throat> Ikwan from Katsana. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Katsana is, uh, we do GPS tracking. Um, Katsana in and it of itself. Um, the name Katsana, like usually when you, it's the first time of you hearing about Katsana, a lot of people, are you guys a Japanese company? Uh, well, in actual fact, we have a very local origin to the name. Katmane, Katsana, literally it's over there. Uh, it, it took me a while to figure that out. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, that's like, aha, oh, now I know. So, um, so we started off in 2013 as a GPS tracking company and over the years, we've started to layer into more um, sophisticated um, services, uh, especially to cater to our enterprise business. Uh, and one of those layers is DriveMark. So DriveMark, initially, we developed an algorithm uh, within Katsana platform uh, to help business owners find out who among their drivers are driving really bad. Because when people are driving bad, that's, that's main cost maintenance, uh, that's brand reputation. 
So we realized that there's a huge potential of spinning off DriveMark into a product of its own. So that's why we started off with uh, DriveMark. And we know for a fact that Malaysians are really bad drivers. Um, there's uh, statistics out there by World Health Organization, WHO. How bad are we now? A uh, few years back, we were number three in terms of traffic road fatalities. So that's pretty scary. Number one is Thailand. Number two is South Africa. We are number three. So, and the topic about safe driving isn't really something that is exciting. It's not really cool. Nobody wants to go to a lecture talking about, hey, this is how you should behave on the road. Uh, this is what we should do and make the world a better place. It's really boring. Um, so we take it upon ourselves to um, try to engage with the masses using big data, uh, using whatever we can find using DriveMark, uh, basically to nudge people to drive safer. Uh, essentially, what we do in DriveMark, we score the way you drive. Uh, it's a simple score between 0 to 100, 0 being very bad score, 100 being very good. Uh, so if you get a good score, uh, that means thumbs up, you're good. And for the past one year, um, our main focus right now is, uh, initially it was to grow the, the user base, and now we're entering into a new phase of growth in DriveMark whereby we're, one, we're trying to nudge people towards insurance renewal. So now you can renew your insurance on DriveMark. So if you, you're a better driver, do you get like better promos for your insurance coverage or something? So right now, we're tied up with whatever uh, partners has to offer, whatever products they have to offer. So our discounts are pretty much limited to what our partners, uh, which is ATK Insurance, has to offer. Um, ideally, over time, when we are able, as an agent of that sales insurance, over time, we are able to create a pool of safe drivers and reduce the overall claim loss from our pools. So that's the overall goal that we're trying to do with DriveMark. Right. So to kick this off, uh, big data, right? It's, it's quite a, it's a space where a lot of people are not very clear about you know, what they do. Because you hear a lot of startups claim that they're doing big data. Uh, and then you ask how much data they actually have. It's not much. So, just a question I would throw at you, right? What, at what point it becomes big data to you? Like, is there a clear definition or is it a, the process itself or the kind of analytics you do? When do you consider your startup as a, oh, I'm doing big data? So, to me, big data is a password. It's a big word, right? As, as, as it says, it's a big data. So, I think data start off with two parts. Uh, one is unstructured data and another is structured data, right? So, I think many of these companies today, you guys have a lot of information and this information are typically unstructured data, right? It's a lot of noise, a lot of numbers, a lot of uh, data points, but it, it means nothing to you, right? So that's where uh, these days, um, newer incumbents or startups or even uh, banks are moving towards structured data, right? So why is because I think we want to put meaning and colors to this data, right? So only if this data is meaningful to you, then you will be able to do something about it, right? So this data has to tell you something, whether it uh, is something that has a call to action or is something that is very uh, significant, right? So based on this data, you will be able to tell, oh, what should I do next, right? Otherwise, unstructured data is, is just meaningless. You can see numbers, but you can't, do, you can't act upon it, right? So I'll just stop there first. Maybe, maybe we can take some uh, questions and answers later. On your side, Ikwan? Um, <clears throat> for us, on a daily basis, we work on two fronts. There's telematics data and there's the how user behaves interacting with the app. Telematics data, for those of you who are not acquainted, telematics has a very broad definition, but for us specifically, telematics is whatever data that we can get from your mobile phone uh, that's fit, fit by the DriveMark app into our server that we send back to user. Uh, those, that's telematics data for us. 
Uh, and we do that, uh, the data that we look into is the distance that you're driving, the G-force in, into your braking, uh, how much are you speeding when you're taking a corner. Those uh, metrics sort of uh, merge into um, measurable uh, that we call drive mark score. Uh, and we feel that it's a very important thing to do uh, to have a drive mark score is because when once you have like a benchmark for yourself and a benchmark on your safety level, uh, it opens up opportunities for us to engage with you. Uh, so the whole lot like, like um, the way your CTOS score works, if your credit score is bad and you know your score, it compels you to take certain decisions to fix that score. Uh, and you know that having a bad score gonna give you some trouble down the line to get a loan or something like that. So having a good drive mark score uh, gonna help you opens up door to rewards and perks uh, through our value chain and also should get you lower insurance premium. So that's on the telematic side of the data that we're working on. Um, up to date, I'm not exactly sure of the number, but the last few months I checked, we were over a billion kilometers already tracked on DriveMark. So a billion is quite a huge sample set for us to start modeling things. So how many bad drivers do you have in your database? Like what's the percentage like? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I do not have a figure up on top of my head, uh, to be honest. I haven't really checked, but we, we, we the, the most usually, because it's a safe driving app, uh, we tend to retain users who are generally, generally safer. Uh, and over time, they become safer. Uh, so the fact that the intention of you downloading an app that encourages you to safe drive, literally just only attract people who's already safe driving. So we're probably not as much bad drivers, you know, if you're like a speed geek, if they realize they're bad, they just uninstall yeah, the app, right? I'm not gonna penal, I'm not gonna judge my make myself feel bad by getting low score so people don't do that. Uh, that that was the, the the learnings that we have from version one of DriveMark. Version one of DriveMark it was very technical. We show every G force that you when you're braking, we show every point of speeding, we show your highest speed. So we realized that dude, we're attracting bad drivers, they are really proud of their 200 kilometers per hour. So in version two, we stripped that off, we tried to um, not make unsafe driving as something that people want to show off. So, you have a question? Right. Yeah, I have a question. I am a CEN. I, I want to ask a question to Mr. Lee. Uh, yeah, like you have the QR code idea for the restaurants to order the menu, right? Are you going to use like the data that you collect to like, maybe like offer like, you know, like people have recommendation, restaurant like recommend food to people like this is my recommended suggested special but everyone has different taste buds right so maybe like they learn like each user's favorite food what they order and then when they go to restaurant they're like this is a recommended food for these restaurants based on the scanning of what it is maybe you can like incorporate that i guess into that system yeah, yeah, sure. Very good question, actually, right? So uh, to start off with, I think, uh, so uh, we have been piloting uh, this ordering service, now specifically for F&B, in Malaysia and Singapore for about three months, right? Uh, we have close to 100 uh, F&B restaurants who are already onboarded with us, right? Uh, why they're onboarded with us is obviously that they have an operational issues, right? So uh, what we are doing now is collecting data, right? Data of consumer behaviors, uh, data points where uh, customers are, are how, the way they behave, even on the consumer app itself, right? So uh, how are they scrolling through? Uh, what kind of food are they placing, right? Then based on that later, I think that that's where comes your question of personalization, right? Yeah. So amongst every one of us here, we'll be able to know, let's say for example, if you were to go to Mama, what kind of food will you typically order, right? Uh, if you, let's say you were to go to a cafe, uh, what is the uh, 
price range, right? That you will probably probably uh, want to order, right? When you go to higher end of uh, restaurants, what kind of restaurants, which, uh, which are the locations that you, you, you would go, right? So based on this, we can actually personalize it later. Yeah, but so it's a very good point. But uh, right now, it's the first MVP version of our product. So we haven't gone there. Yeah, but yeah, thanks for that. Thank you. But how much can you uh, predict based on their existing behavior? Because that's big data, right, basically. So based on whatever they've been spending, uh, what is, is there like an accuracy percentage, like how accurate your predictions can be? Yeah, so I think two parts. One is for consumer, as I mentioned earlier, right? But the other part that, so I'm not sure if how many of you here uh, knows Faith. Maybe I can just get a, get a hands of who are Faith users here, right? Yeah, so it's like um, 10%, right? So not, not sure if the rest are just lazy to raise your hands, <laughs> right? Uh, because it's after lunch, right? So. Typically, um, many of you here would think that Faith is a, it's just a consumer app, right? Just like any other mobile payments that you are using, right? But just to clarify on that point, we are not an e-wallet per se, right? We are more of a mobile payments which allows you to link your card to, to, to uh, our, our mobile payment app, right? So that's on the consumer end. But just, just to add on is that I think our angle here is to help these merchants to transform and accelerate their businesses towards a digital economy, right? So that's where we actually put uh, these businesses at the center of, of their growth, right? So with that, where I'm going to is that we are trying to help merchants to grow their business. So the other angle to what we are doing is actually the merchant side. So all these data points are very crucial to them. So if let's say consumers are, are to place a lot more orders for, for example, uh, fried chicken, right? As compared to, you know, uh, steamed chicken. Right, so what kind of what kind of uh, inventory that these merchants will need to start preparing, right? So they will need to uh, increase a lot more, you know, oil, for example. Uh, they, with that, they can actually start predicting. Oh, in a month, I consume how many how many uh, uh, boxes of, of oil, for example, right? And then the subsequent month is is increasing uh, ten percent month on month, right? So with that, they can help. We we can actually help them to do a bit of prediction, right, and analysis on on uh, their inventory system. So that's on the merchant end and on the consumer end is what I've mentioned earlier on personalization. All right. Okay, next question. Uh, hi, uh, my question goes to Ikwan. My name is Shameh. So Ikwan, uh, I've actually heard of Drivemark. Your business model, how, do you, how does actually Drivemark make uh, money? Okay, one question. And uh, if, if Drivemark is a terms of, uh, of a program to actually educate people, do you actually sell your data to the government? That's the question. Okay, um, so first stage uh, on Drive Mart, we're more towards growth right now. Uh, in terms of monetization, we're, we're now in the phase where we're starting to encourage people to sign up into, to, to buy insurance renewal, to transact insurance renewal. So we're kind of in the learning stage on, in which what's the best channel to approach our users. Um, do they like to be cold called? Do they like prefer emails or do they prefer purely app interaction? That's the stage that we're at trying to get people on board into insurance renewal. The great thing about it is that we already have a pool of users that are actively using DriveMark. Uh, we know who are the bad drivers, who are the safe drivers, so we can only recommend that specific product to safe drivers. So that's the perks that we have. Uh, in terms of the, the second question, um, uh, do we sell data? Uh, no, that's the whole reason why we came up with DriveMark. Uh, telematics data, uh, the way it works in other markets is that one insurance company set up their own telematics insurance and one other company set up their own telematics insurance. And if you sign up to company A, and by the end of the year, you don't like company A, you want to go to company B, you can't carry that data with you. 
So your, your data is stuck with one particular company and they have leverage on you. So they have, they have like the ability to say, you know, stay here and you have to start all over again with your telematics insurance. Uh, with DriveMark, your data is with us. So if you choose not to renew insurance, if you choose to go the traditional route, it's up to you. If you choose to opt, like we can offer you a several um, insurance products and you prefer one company. So your data is stored with us and you can choose to only share that data to one particular insurer. So that's why your data uh, is safe with you. And we, we don't think it's in good faith to sell telematics data. Uh, and it's bad for our business as well because the insights and the learnings that we have, the domain knowledge that we have in terms of telematics data, there's so much potential for us can, we can do with it. Uh, we don't think that it's a smart way to run DriveMark by giving that away. Right. Okay, in terms of uh, your app itself, right? I mean, for a lot of startups, apps keep evolving, right? You, don't, you never stay with the first uh, version of the app you build. So how much does this data analyt analytics work that you do, how much does it influence how you design your app or redesign your app? Like earlier you said, right, you notice certain things, how users behave, you decided to remove some features. So is it like purely based on that or is it like 50-50? Do you still have like new ideas that you think of yourself without taking in consideration of the data? How, how does it work in your setup? Yeah, so for me personally, um, data is very important, but it's not everything, right? So um, there are two parts to what people want and what they could have, right? So many, many times when you speak to consumers or when you speak to merchants, you ask them questions, you probe, right? And they will tell you basically what their existing pain points are. But they do not tell you and they do not imagine for themselves what they could have, right? So that's the part of us uh, being product managers, right? To dream it for them, right? So I think it's very important. Very often, yeah, we, we, we do some tweaks to our pages, right? Oh, sometimes when we do A-B testing, oh, uh, uh, screen A is better than screen B or, or sub, uh, certain funnels, uh, it, they, they drop off because of certain reasons. So that's where these data points are very important for us to make decisions. But in product design as well, we do not and should not uh, be making choices just purely based on data, right? So that's the part where I think many, many uh, product managers or many uh, startup uh, owners will need to be able to dare to dream, right? So you, you should be able to dare to dream and deliver something that is um, impressive, that is uh, uh, um, out of the norm, right? Imagine about 15 years ago. So many people never thought that they could have an iPhone, right? All they remember was a separate you know, uh, MP4, uh, a contact list, all, all in separate places, right? You make phone calls, you text and, and whatnot. So all that has come into one today, right? So that is beyond imagination. You, have, you will be able to dream and put it forward and users will be like, wow, this solves a lot more other problems than I could ever thought of, right? Yeah, so uh, to me, data is very crucial, but it's not everything. Ekwan, how about? Um, yeah, for us, we definitely work especially me as a product manager, like if a CEO comes to me with a vision, I have to either back it up or go against it based on the data that I have. Um, for DriveMark, version one and version two has been very two different, di different like looks and feel. Uh, for example, version one of DriveMark was very technical. There's a lot of graphs. There's a lot of numbers because we thought people wanted to see that numbers. And we thought that having that number uh, presented to you helps you become a safer driver. But then we realized that uh, on top of having those numbers accessible, you also need to see that you're not alone in the mission to drive safer. There, there's a herd mentality that we're trying to put inside DriveMark. So we've done a, a whole rebranding 
if you go to our website, we put more faces of people, communities. In the app itself, we show other drivers that is in the journey with you to drive safer. Uh, basically telling you that you're not alone in this. Uh, so that's how we look at uh, data into, um, to, to change the product, for example. Uh, we look at for the, the number of retention rates for, uh, in the version 1. It's, it's really low uh, because uh, by the first, second week, you're pretty, mu you're pretty much experienced everything DriveMark has to offer. Uh, there's nothing much other than numbers. So having a community inside the app, it, it greatly boosts our retention rate. And looking at the numbers, we know what screen works best, uh, what sort of data that people who views it are, have higher likelihood to retain further. So we try to bring that data up to your front. Uh, for example, we know that uh, when a user finishes a trip, uh, a user that views a particular trip data, uh, that, that views the score often, that view the trip history often, are most likely to retain as users. So we're now building up a plan to, to figure out how can we show at the end of the trip, how can we like, send a notification and say, hey, look at your, your latest drive, good job. So those sort of engagement and data helps us to refine our engagement with users more. Right, so another question related to running a startup, of course. How costly does it get? Like when you talk about big data, right? So if, if let's say any of these guys says, okay, I want to go into big data space. I want to launch a startup in this space. I want to do a lot of analytics work. Is it feasible for a, a small guy to launch or do you need a lot of resources before you can actually go into big data analytics? Yeah, so um, again, I'm, I'm the head of product. I am not the head of data science, right? Uh, but we do have uh, Ayaz there, which is uh, part of our data science team at uh, Faith, right? Yeah, that, that, that's him. You, you, probably you guys can approach him afterwards. Yeah, so we have a very strong uh, data science team at Faith, actually. Um, I think about 10, 10 people or so, right? Yeah, so the, I think these guys are really brilliant and, and we depend on them a lot actually. Like I mentioned earlier, whenever we want to make any decisions and all that, we go to them to get data points to support, right? And they are the ones that churn out a lot of uh, reports for us as well, right? So I will share it in the different angle in terms of how, how expensive it is to, to start it up, right? I will share it from a perspective of what we are doing with our data, right? So at Faith, when we, when we talk about, so again, uh, my angle is uh, merchant angle, right? So we look into several areas uh, that we are doing for businesses. When it comes to payments, when it comes to loyalty, which is our faith pay cashback, right? When it comes to uh, operations, which is ordering, I'll share a bit of data later as well. When it comes to uh, data in, uh, reporting itself, and when it comes to uh, financial services. These are the five areas that I, I could probably uh, touch on in the next couple of minutes, right? So when, when we talk about payments, so today, uh, we are mobile wallet, uh, which enable uh, consumers to, to make payments, right? So from that, I think it's very important for businesses who are accepting these payments to know more about their consumers, right? So whether their consumers are the age of uh, 18 to 35 or beyond or, or younger and so on, right? Whether most of them are male or female, uh, where are they from, right? So all these information are pretty crucial when it comes to payments for these businesses to know uh, who are they accepting payments from. That's one. Second part is on loyalty, right? Uh, not sure how many of you here uh, have uh, faith pay cashback within your wallet now, right? That's the thing that's working for us, right? And, it, and why it's working is also because it's working for the merchants, it's working for their businesses, right? So we are stronger at F&B, offline restaurants, right? So what happens is that uh, if let's say there are like, I don't know, uh, 10, 20,000 merchants using faith pay today, right? Um, 60 to 70% of the people 
using it will actually return to the restaurant, right? So that is a retention rate that we are doing for their business, right? So 10 people, six to seven, will actually go back to the same restaurant to dine in, right? To spend. And they will be able to utilize their cashback from one to the other time, right? So that's loyalty, it's working for them. So third part is operations. So where data come into picture is when we tell businesses how we can optimize efficiency for your business, right? Otherwise you count the trips. If let's say your F&B restaurant were to get orders manually, right? So it's, it's, it takes about five to 10 trips, right? Uh, whereby uh, this waiter or waitress will need to walk to and fro and to and fro and to and fro. It takes about 10, 10 trips, right? So with table ordering for them, you are able to save up to 60% efficiency, right? So these are data points that we can share to them as well. And based on this, we can compare the before and the after. After you have came on board with us, how much more sales that you are driving, right? So based on our figures currently, we are able to drive up to about 70% additional sales from what you were doing previously. And that is a great number, right? So that is on operations. Uh, for, for, for F&B, right? And the next part is data insights, right? So this is the part where we have been providing a Faithbeast Insights report to our merchants, right? To actually tell them a bit more of their business. So assuming you have about 100 customers coming to your, to your, to your shop on a daily basis, right? So how many of them are coming from, you know, uh, 8 to 12 or even on an hourly basis and so on? So usually for F&B, 3 to 5 p.m. is definitely a, a drop, right? So why is because everybody has gone back to work, right? So, so your business will drop. So that's where we give them a CTA, right? We tell them, hey, we actually have a dynamic cashback, right? So during 3 to 5, instead of giving 10% cashback, you can bump it up to 20% or 15%, right? And with that, your ROI can increase by how much, right? So that's on data. And lastly, lending. So if you were to ask many of these uh, businesses out there, if let's say you are beyond, uh, you're, 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 you're younger than three years old, you walk into any of these banks, will they lend to you? They won't, right? Because they, 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 don't, they, they basically do not trust the business that you're running. They'll ask you for your three years financial statements, you know, your audited report, which as a business before the age of three, you are unable to provide, right? So therefore, you won't get any lending capabilities. So that's where we actually partner with some of these uh, financial institutions, right? Uh, namely, uh, Maybank, Funding Societies, uh, Grab Financial Institutions, uh, in Singapore, we have Mintrust and so on, right? So we, we actually tell them that, hey, no worries. These are our customers, these are our merchants. We provide you with their data points anonymously, right? So we can tell you that, hey, um, this group of people, right? Um, their business have been running such and such and such, right? If let's say you can lend it to them, they can lend directly from you, but we will support that they are capable and their business will grow month on month because for the past six months, they have been growing 10, 20% month on month, right? So these are some of the areas that we are helping businesses. So not, uh, not cost specifically, right? But this is what we have been doing for merchants. That, but that's a lot of data, right? It's very detailed on, on how you can analyze their business. Yeah, correct. So, so how much do they appreciate this? Pardon? The F&B businesses, right? Yep. How much do they appreciate the kind of data work that you guys are doing? So honestly, I think in the past, these data are not available, right? So again, these are unstructured data. They, they know, businesses themselves, they know that they have a lot of data, right? But it means nothing to them, right? Until they came on board with us and we put some meaning and colors to those numbers. And now it's like, oh, wow. Actually, actually it's, it's growing month on month, right? Actually, your, your product or services is helping me to grow, right? And that's where they are willing to invest in it. Because businesses typically, you know, you talk about ROI, right? So if let's say I were to invest a ringgit, how much can you get back 
how much I can get back in return, right? So based on our data as well, we can tell these businesses, you invest a ringgit for F&B, people will come back to you, they will spend seven ringgit, right? So with a ringgit, you can churn out seven ringgit and that is very good. Yeah. Anything you'd like to add on on that? <clears throat> it's very expensive. Uh, um, it's, it's a matter of balancing the needs of the business. Uh, it's, there's no point for you to huddle up the whole team to do some uh, very fancy uh, data thingy and end up ha having nothing to deliver on the user side. Uh, for us, uh, there's a huge challenge with um, managing the data in terms of the noise that you have to handle when it comes to um, telematics fully on mobile. Uh, because every OS, they behave differently. Especially Android, there's like Samsung, HTC, OnePlus. They all have different manufacturers and they all have different sensors. Uh, different sensors mean different variation in errors. So we have to uh, invest the team into uh, identifying what are the noises, what are actual numbers, and what are fictitious, fictitious, fictitious data. Uh, so th those are like the, the, the most important things that we have to handle. Uh, when it comes to big data in our, our sense. Uh, there's so many th other things that we want to do, but probably now don't have time to do it. Uh, one thing that we, been, we have been working on is that we started to label our data. Uh, and la labeling data helps us to go through this thing called supervised learning, where we feed the, the data into our machine learning and identify what are the trips that are potentially taken on an MRT and an LRT and what are driven. So. To label those, those data takes quite a lot of time. So that's something that we've already been doing. Uh, there's so many potentials for us to play around, but we just don't exactly have the, the manpower and resources to do it. Uh, it'd be great to be able to do it. Uh, but bottom line is that whenever we want something, we, there has to be a tangible uh, business return, whether it's user experience, because user experience is very important for us, and cutting out noise, cutting out wrong readings within the app is very important. So that has been the major focus for us. Okay, so when we talk about big data, right? I mean, AI is always kind of linked to big data. Are you guys doing any AI-related stuff in your startups? Or how do you see AI coming in in the future? Or is it applicable to what you're doing? Yeah, so for us, it's, it's simpler, right? So um, in the world of our business, so I'll, I'll use the word smart rather than AI, right? Uh, because just to simplify it. So what happens is that today, Let's say, for example, I talked about dynamic cashback earlier, right? So businesses themselves, they will have to figure out, oh, what time do I want to set my, my dynamic cashback, right? Um, should I set it to, now, now, now my regular cashback is 10%. Should I set it to 15 or should I set it to 20? If I set it to 20, would it be too expensive, right? Well, what is the ROI then, right? So instead of getting merchants themselves to think, we sometimes, you know, it can be very complicated, right? So to simplify that, we can come out with, a, with something smarter, a, a smart cashback, right? So with that, uh, in the future, uh, the, the product is not launched yet per se. So what happens is that we can actually tell these merchants, hey, don't worry, right? Um, number one, even for new businesses, if let's say you were to get onboarded with us, okay, we, we can ask you, right? Are you an F&B business? Oh, you are. Um, what kind of F&B? Are you a restaurant? Are you a cafe? Right? Uh, where, where, where would you think that uh, your, your restaurant will be located at, right? So based on these few data points, we can already tell you that, oh, you know, at this area, typically businesses on a daily basis, they can churn, um, they, they can get up to like uh, 10,000 ringgit, for example, right? So um, what happens is that, oh, how, how, what's the percentage of cashback that they are giving? 
they are giving probably 6 to 7% average, right? So, so this recommendation is not based on only their data, right? This is from the community across, itself. Across. But again, it's anonymous data. We do not share any specific data of, of any of our customers, right? Or merchants. So what happens is this information will make them smarter, right? And making their decisions, right? So we can tell you uh, what is the optimum uh, percentage, you know? With one ringgit, you can get seven ringgit. Uh, what, what, uh, subsequently, average, how many more times will these customers come back to your business, right? Because, uh, they will typically come back, you know, four to five times. Each time, they would probably be spending about 70 ringgit. And in a lifetime, it, sorry, in, in, in a year's time, you'll probably spend like, you know, two, three hundred ringgit at your restaurant. So with that, you can already start budgeting certain stuff, right? So again, uh, it's being smart. Second part is, so uh, going back to dynamic cashback. So we can actually tell these merchants that, hey, you know, based on our data for, for the past six months, three to five PM is always the off peak, right? So you know what? Um, let's put a uh, uh, 15% there, right? Because with 15%, your ROI is this much, right? And you will be able to sustain your business Rather than having no sales or very little sales, you can get maybe moderate sales, right? And with that, you know, you, you can pay your, your, your staffs, you can pay your electricity, your rental and whatnot. Yeah, so these are some of the angles that we are looking at for now. Cool. How about on uh, DriveMark? Likewise, probably we're nowhere near AI at the moment. Uh, we're just trying to do things smarter um, and help, especially in, in terms of uh, renewing insurance. There's a lot of manual labor involved, a lot of calling, a lot of typing, a lot of emailing, a lot of convincing. So a lot of questions answering. So we're trying to be smarter about that. Uh, we're trying to make things more uh, automated, especially when it comes to insurance. Uh, we want to uh, basically make, make sure that our support team are not overloaded with inquiries. Well, things that can be handled automatically, we're, we're trying to do that automatically. Uh, we're not exactly in the phase where we're looking into AI at the moment. Hey guys using chatbots for any of your features? Uh, right now, no, we used to. Uh, but we initially we used to for Katsana. We wanted to have that human touch because it was very, Katsana was very sales oriented. And we feel that introducing chatbots uh, into a market where chatbot is not really mature is very, um, very, it's too early. Uh, it doesn't fit the market niche. Because people don't know like, how to respond. Because like personally, I'm not a big fan of chatbots. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, pre I really prefer the human interaction. I mean, you're using an app. Yes, yeah, it's very digital. But, you know, it's nice to be able to connect to the real people behind the app who's providing the service. So to me, like if I pop into a website, the first thing I see is a chatbot. It kind of turns me off. For some businesses, it's very useful because you automate a lot of the processes, right? Right. So uh, what are the future plans for your projects? So in the next one year, what are you looking at? Are there any new uh, features being launched? Uh, are you looking at into doing, going more deeper into the data you have? What, what is the plan like? Yeah, so uh, again, I think we're helping businesses to, to grow their business, right? So what happens is, uh, I think very often we go on ground and try to understand their business, right? So last week itself, uh, a couple of us, we were in Singapore to, to meet some of the merchants, right? So we go on ground and actually understand what are their pinpoints. So these are the, again, F&B merchants. So, you know, already launched table ordering, what else can we help you, right? So um, there are still pinpoints, right? So today, we give them a faith-based application, basically. So customers placing order, merchants will be able to receive it and they can approve it, like I mentioned earlier, right? But again, after receiving it, they have a pause system. They can manually key in still, right? So it's still pinpoint to them, right? It's, it's, it's taking out a lot of time. And what happens is, this pause system 
has a lot of data too, because typically all of, all of your transactions are transacting through uh, this POS system, right? So uh, a potential area that we may be looking into is, uh, is how we can uh, firstly help these merchants to um, be even more efficient operationally, right? They don't have to key in. Secondly is how we can probably uh, leverage on some of these data points that we have and probably make it a bit more seamless, right? So for example, um, they have their own POS menu system as well, whereby uh, if any one of you were to uh, order manually, they're also going to into this POS system and keying in manually. So what is the difference between their menu and our menu, right? Can we optimize it? Can we, uh, can, can we uh, uh, put a leverage on that, right? So uh, these are some of the areas probably for the next couple of months, not, not, not exactly at one year, right? And then uh, we are also looking into a few other areas that we can help them. So even let's say, for example, uh, uh, payments, Right? I think typically for a restaurant today or, or any businesses that's accepting payments, 50% is still cash. And you know, the other 50% consists of your uh, mobile payments and also your credit cards, right? So we are looking into how we can get more data from these customers who are not using Faith, for example, right? Because with more data points, we will know their business better. And with that, we can give them more analytics to grow their business. Yeah. And on uh, DriveMark? Um, for us, uh, it's about refining our understanding in terms of how do we engage with our user, especially when it comes to insurance. Uh, we've started off with offering free personal accident insurance to our customer, uh, and you can claim your insurance there. So from there, we start off to learn what it takes to become an insurance company and how to uh, deal with customers. So that's number one thing that we're doing right now. Number two, we're working on engagement uh, within the app because uh, right now, if you use DriveMark, within the first few weeks, you're pretty much have seen everything the screen has to offer, and there's no dynamic content within DriveMark. Um, so the, uh, the way what we're doing now is that we're looking into a leveling system. So if you drive longer, you drive safer, uh, you earn veterancy in terms, of, um, in terms of your driving. So the idea is that we want to keep people hooked for as long as possible to a point that when we have sufficient data to say that, okay, this guy, we're 90% confident that he's a safe driver and we want to sell this guy insurance. So engagement is very important for us. Yep, so that's the big plan. All right, so we have a question from the floor. Hello, hi. Uh, my first question is, uh, for a new startup company, right, if we want to venture into um, data analytics and uh, machine learning, why the first what is the first step to do if we don't have any data yet? Should we like hire a data scientist or data analysts or should we gather the data first? Okay, that's all, thank you. Yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll put it in a simple manner, right? So I think hiring a team and, and all that is inevitable, right? But first off, start it simple. Start collecting data, right? So let's say, for example, uh, you go to some of these apps today, right? They even give you a like thumbs up, thumbs down. Why, right? I think it's based on that. They start collecting data and they can use those data to, uh, for other purposes, right? So very simple. Start collecting some data. Then later you can, you can talk about, you know, putting a, a team together because there is a lot of costs involved, right? Yeah, so I think with data first, unstructured data, putting some meaning to it later, uh, probably is a good start. Because as long as you start collecting data, then you can always analyze it later, right? But at least you have the, the, the history record of it. Correct, yeah. So, so I'm, 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 I'm from a banking uh, experience, right? So banks have one of the most data, right, uh, in the industry. So, but those data that's collected previously, like, you know, 20, 30 years ago, are not meaningful at all, right? So start collecting some meaningful, some data which is still raw, but can be put to use later. Yeah, every time I go to the ATM, they still ask me what language. By now, they should know, right? Precisely. Uh, do you have a side, Iquan? Um, 
uh, in my case, I, I feel that it's very important for you to figure out what's the best way to uh, make your they collect the, the collection source as uh, available to the masses as possible. Uh, because the way we're seeing the trend in the, in the, the insurance industry trend, what they do in telematics is that they deploy a hardware solution. And for you to actually have a customer to use a hardware solution, you require your customer to jump so, into so many hoops. First, uh, you have to educate the market, hey, there's a, there's a telematics insurance. If you drive safe, you get cheaper rewards. And number two, we have to convince users that will you trust us to plug in this device into your car? So uh, we see that as a barrier for adoption. Uh, that's why we, because we are, because at Katsana, we deal with devices hardware all the time. So we know that that's a serious barrier. Uh, that's why we decided to go mobile first. And because we went mobile first, we have 1 billion worth, worth of data. And we're just only starting to scrap the, the insights within the data. So basically, first off, find a way to make your data source collection as readily easily accessible to all. But generally in terms of users, right? How happy are they to share this data with you? Do, you? do you guys have those kind of issues with your users? Do people question about data and how you're using it and all that? Or do they generally don't care? Normal consumers, they generally don't care. Because right now, I would say we have a very bad onboarding process. We have so many fields to fill up. It turns out people do like to fill them up for some reason. <laughs> like they don't skip. There's a skip button, but they don't skip. So <laughs> that's good. That's good. Okay, we have another question. Yeah, you know, like... You want to collect data for like faith, payment and stuff. But nowadays, more and more people are like ordering food delivery, like food panda, grab food. You see them everywhere. How do you plan to collect data from like delivery? Maybe like from faith pay, maybe you can integrate into some food panda or something. Maybe, I don't know. Do you plan to do that? Something like that? Yeah, uh, we are considering to, to, to do more uh, for our F&B merchants. Uh, unable to share anything specifically at this point. Uh, yeah, but I, I think we will be doing more than just uh, dine-in F&B, uh, uh, right? Uh, to, to help them operationally. I think we'll be doing more than that. I think you can see that uh, in the upcoming months. So again, with this additional data of, of uh, these merchants' customers, we will be able to drive uh, more uh, customers to them and also probably help them to increase their sales later on. Also, also, do you plan to have like Faith app for Apple Watch maybe so that you can just use a watch to like pay instead of the phone? Yeah, so maybe you can share some use case uh, after the session. We would like to know more about uh, how that will also Actually, help. Are there any e-wallet guys who are using a smartwatch to make payments at the moment? I think not many. Firstly, it's because uh, if let's say you were to look into numbers, right? Uh, how many IoT uh, or let's say specifically uh, smartwatches are people wearing today, right? So the use case is still pretty small at this part of the world, right? So uh, it's not something that we are looking in it immediately, but uh, understand that it addresses certain parts of the business and, and the pinpoints. Yeah, but uh, maybe you can share with me some of the use cases or pinpoints that you are facing today. Uh, I, think, I think open to explore. Thank you. Right, thank you. Okay, I think with that, we can conclude the session for today. Uh, thank you so much, guys, for joining us for the panel. Thank you. We have reached the end of this episode of CyberJaya Startup Summit. Be sure to check out more exciting podcast series only at EFM.live.